Welcome to a special episode of Bowel Sounds, the pediatric GI podcast, the official podcast of the North American Society of Pediatric Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition, or NASPGAN. My name is Peter Liu. And my name is Jennifer Lee, and we are pediatric gastroenterologists at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. And my name is Jason Silverman, and I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist at Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton, Alberta. This is really a special episode because it marks the beginning of our second year of this podcast. We've completed an entire year of bowel sounds. It's crazy. It is, right? And what a year it's been. It has been an amazing year, uh, uh, kind of a crazy year. Probably the best thing about 2020 is that Bell Sounds is here. Yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but I think it's really important to, to start off this commemorative episode with a big shout out, a big thank you to our listeners, because honestly, without all of you, this podcast wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have kept it going for as long as we did. So from all of us, we just want to really thank all of you. Thank you for listening, for downloading. Thanks for all of the positive reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts and every other platform. Thanks for mentioning the podcast on social media. Just thanks for staying tuned. We really, really appreciate you. Yeah. And also thank you to all of our guests. We have definitely put people on the spot, put them on recording and initially, most of them were in person, but of course, with all of our social distancing, we've really transitioned to a virtual platform, which has really led to some other challenges for our guests. So thank you to all of our amazing guests who have really made this podcast a success. I think for Brian Rudolph's episode, there was like a 30-minute delay of me trying to figure out how to get Zoom to not crash my computer. I think that happened several times. Anyways, Multiple, yeah. I think it's just crazy when we think back to... A year ago, so last summer, this was just an idea. We were just kind of thinking among the technology committee, maybe we'd put out this podcast as a way to hear from leaders in our field directly and not just hear about clinical stuff, but hear about their lives, like how they got there, their advice for younger people, maybe a little bit more in their background about who they are. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And do you remember when we were first, our very first episode was with Carlo Lorenzo, yeah. And how many times do we have to ask him? I asked him twice. He told me no both yep. times. And then uh, it was only was until like, you, you convinced him. You just got to do this. Okay. <laughs> so when we're think when I was thinking about a name, so the original name was supposed to be Tummy Talks, which I thought was the perfect name at the time. But then in retrospect, no one else has agreed that that is a good name. It, it was terrible. <laughs> it, it was terrible. But I really remember you when you threw out the name Bow Sounds, and I think you did it as a lark, and you're like, I kind of thought Bow Sounds, but then I think you got a little embarrassed about it. And then Jen and I were like, no, that's it. That's that's actually the perfect name. I At the time, no. I was like, Tummy Talks is like kind of more pediatric, yeah, right? Whereas Bow Sounds is just all GI, but okay, obviously Bow Sounds is way better. Well, we have to talk about the music because you made the music, Peter. I did. Yeah, GarageBand um, came through for us. But it wasn't just one, not just the one that we are using. You made multiple, like no. three or four or I how made, many? Yeah, I made several. And yeah. uh, my number one choice got shot down at lunch when I was uh, playing it on my phone for everybody. Yeah, for here, those who have uh, not been work. to Nationwide, we <laughs> have team lunch. Well, pre-COVID, we had like yeah. a team lunch every day. And he played it, and we got so many thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody I was, liked uh, it. Pretty, pretty heartbroken, devastated, in fact. 
but yeah, we'll try to cut it in. I'll like, uh, I'll upload it and then see what the, let the people, let the people hear. Now that everyone's had a chance to listen to a short clip of what could have been the Bow Sounds theme song, I think the number one complaint was that maybe it was just a little too on the nose about Bow Sounds and people were hearing fart noises. That's the whole point. I know, I know, but it just seemed a little too much, a little too on the nose, you know? But it's hard to believe that, you know, from those relatively humble beginnings of Googling how to make a podcast and begging uh, Carlo to be a guest on on the podcast that we've gone through this whole year making these podcasts. And like Jen said, you know, it used to be mostly in-person interviews, whether it was in offices and hospitals or people visiting nationwide for you guys. We did a few hotel room podcast recordings for Ben Gold, for Karen Murray, for Eric Benchamal. For, for Eric's episode, I remember we had this whole sort of jerry-rigged podcast recording set up in the corner of the room. And we had these amazing guests who sat on the edge of a hotel room bed. We gave them the, the, the chair. We were on the bed. <laughs> oh, that's true. That, okay, that's true. That and was the first true. time I ever met Karen Murray. <laughs> and you were like and sitting on the desk. For the listeners, we did not have like a suite. This is a normal hotel room. We just like pushed the beds together so we can like sit we had to close the up nightstand somebody's and like suitcase. Put the mics on there. Yeah, yeah. It went from that awkwardness to this awkwardness. Well, it's less awkward now, but for the last uh, six, seven months, we've been recording all of our interviews out of necessity by by Zoom, and that's it's allowed us to reach out to guests that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to reach even without the pandemic, but certainly in the setting of the pandemic, it's been a necessity. And there was definitely some technical hurdles that we've gone through to get this to work. But I think it's we've come out better for it. Yeah, thank God for uh, editing and uh, being <laughs> able to make us sound like we can talk. We sound, I think, pretty polished by the time the, the episode comes out. And what you guys don't hear are all of the outtakes and the edits and the ums and the ahs and the I'm going to do that again and the hysterical laughter when we miss our cues but it's kind of amazing that throughout this year we have recorded 12 regular monthly episodes we've had three special bonus episodes and totaling all of that we've had over twenty-eight thousand downloads so far um in six continents yeah, we had over six continents. Um, Not obviously, over six, just six. No, just six. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you need that's to get true. That one if any, in Antarctica. if anyone wants to go to Antarctica and download Bow Sounds, you will get a special shout out. Oh, yeah. on on a future podcast. Or you if just you let know us know that that there. was you. If yeah. you know someone there, just please, yeah. please, please ask them so we can get seven continents. Yeah. But we do really appreciate everybody downloading the episodes and we value the fact that we, although although this is the official podcast of NASPGAN, which is a North Amer- American society, we do really value that we have an international audience where we have listeners from Australia and South America and across Asia uh, and the Middle East. And so keep listening and, and keep spreading the word about the podcast. I think some of the episodes that I'm the most proud of, and I still think it's a little crazy that we even had to, is 
when we did our COVID episode. So when COVID first started and all of the guidelines were coming out from societies on endoscopy, that was really fun. You know, we, mm-hmm. we did all that reading and we were able to kind of pull it together in a week. Yeah, it felt like mm-hmm. that was just a crazy time. Yeah. I mean, as part of that episode, we said something like, it's crazy that there are now 100,000 cases around the world. How things have changed. Yeah. And then the other episode I'm really, really proud of is our one on systemic racism. Yeah. Uh, we had Valeria Cohen and um, Dr. Conrad, Conrad Cole from Cincinnati. And I just thought that it was really great for us to highlight, you know, the importance of diversity in GI and across the medical specialties and medical field and Um, I was really proud of that episode. I think one of the other bonus episodes that it's worth just kind of briefly mentioning is we we had a short special meet the candidates episode before our election for our next president-elect for for NASP began. And since that episode was released, Dr. Jennifer Lightdale was elected as the new president-elect of NASP again. And we'd like to share that her full episode talking about quality improvement in endoscopy and a lot of the work that she's been involved in will be coming out later in the month of November, just after our virtual NASPGAN meeting this year. I mentioned earlier that although we sound polished on the podcast, um, we that is thanks to some keen editing. The other thing that some people out there maybe don't know is we try and keep the episodes at a reasonable length for our listeners. Uh, we, d- we don't want to go too long. But unfortunately, that does mean that some great content, some some great comments, some great stories from our guests end up not making it into the final episode. And so we, we do often have little bits of extra material left over after the interview that we have never used. It never made it into a podcast so far. And some of that content we decided to put aside specifically for this bonus episode. Karen Murray's episode, you know, we ha- we also saved a little bit of that. I think one of the cool things that she really talks about is mentoring. And as somebody who, as young people in NASPGAN, we may not know everyone. Like sometimes when I go to NASPGAN, I felt like everybody knew each other. They were always good friends. And so I really enjoyed her discussion about how they like to cultivate that mentorship. And so um, maybe we can listen to a little bit about what she said and how important it is to her. So there's actually a formal program, the mentoring program, uh, where individuals who uh, aspire, especially in the research realm, but it really could be any realm, uh, to be paired with, paired with someone with similar interests. Um, that can happen. And, and the advantage, quite frankly, being paired with a mentor outside of your own institution for some individuals is that they may feel more free to speak, uh, to ask advice, and the advice given is uh, neutral to, you know, any internal politics or other dynamics that may exist. Um, Certainly, I hope that folks are able to have mentors in their own institutions. But, you know, one of my longest-term mentors, um, except at the very, very beginning of my medical career, uh, we've never been at the same institution. What has it been like to be president for for the last year? What are your hopes for the next year? What has this experience you know meant to you? 
So NASPGAN is an incredible organization. I think one of the, you know, the, the many features of NASPGAN that, that most of us perceive and really respect is um, it is visionary. As far as pediatric gastroenterology, I think pediatric gastroenterologists as a group were relatively down to earth. We are um, very transparent and we want to help each other. And to be part of an organization where people really want to help each other and want to help children, uh, to, to me, has just been fabulous. I think from a leadership perspective, I, I really am honored to be able to work with so many people who are so smart and have such passion towards helping our profession, the providers in it, and the patients with these diseases, and to be able to leverage that collective brilliance, if you will, to move initiatives forward on behalf of children has just been really, really rewarding. Um, Secondarily, and maybe maybe as importantly, um, personally, is, uh, boy, are these folks fun to work with, and we really have a great time. I really couldn't tell. <laughs> that was a really great clip and and i think what karen had to say really echoes i think something that we're striving for in this podcast where we really try and share some of the the personalities of the people that we're interviewing their personal stories their uh, their backgrounds what makes them tick in a way so that people feel like our guests are people that are approachable for, for them the next time that we have an in-person conference that they can walk up and say, hey, I, I heard you on Foul Sounds, and if you have a few minutes, I'd like to really talk to you about something and feel comfortable doing that, knowing a little bit more about the great people that we have in, in, in NASPGAN. I think one of the stories that we saved, which is one of my favorite things that any of our guests told us about, was when we asked uh, Dr. Gold, our NASPGAN president-elect, why NASPGAN means so much to him. And so we'll play a little bit of his answer, but it goes to show why NASPGAN is not just a professional organization. It's really so much more than that for so many of us. You know, it's our friends, colleagues, and in some ways, uh, a family. So what has NASPGAN meant to me? You have your home family, you have your work family, the people that you spend, you know, six, eight, ten, whatever hours a day with. But then there's your extended family. And, you know, and, and yeah, I'm biased. I love my, what I do. But NASPGAN is a family. And, and I, I, I saw it even as a fellow when I started coming to meetings. Um, I first met Margaret Stallings then, and she was approachable and she gave me some good guidance. And I've never had the feeling that I couldn't reach out and approach anybody. Mm-hmm. In 2008, I got Guillaume Barre. Uh, I got it because the the uh, World Congress was in Iguazu, Brazil that year. And the yellow fever vaccine is a live viral vaccine. It also is prone to lots of neurologic complications, which I now know after the fact. And... I had gotten the yellow fever vaccine because I had a program project looking at H. pylori and gastric cancer risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my sites was in Ganzhou, China, which is a huge yellow fever endemic region. And I'd gotten the shot. It's a 10-year vaccine. And I'd gotten the shot in late 2007. World Congress was in 2008. And they misplaced. There were four golds at Emory at the time. And I had always gone to the oh, CDC. Wow. Yes, yeah, so you know what happened. Mm-hmm. CDC Emory Travel Well Center. It's phenomenal and, and i don't you know mistakes happen but they placed my my shot records in the uh, the most recent ones which was the, included the yellow fever and the gold in front of me so i got 
I got the second vaccine, literally seven months apart instead of 10 years apart. And 10 days to the day after that shot, I woke up and both feet were numb. And I'm like, ah, this is kind of weird. Like they'd just fallen asleep. And I'm like, and I kind of knew in the back of my head what happened but you know white chromosome physician not good for taking care of oneself so and i was complaining to my wife but kind of kept going to work and she was like you better you're leaving the country you better call your doctor so called him did a phone consultation we kind of went round and round and round and round and yeah okay let's see how things go um and but you know if there's any question don't go to iguazu well you know of course i went to iguazu and get there on Friday evening, Saturday morning, I woke up to work out and I was like, God, I can't lift my arms oh, up over wow. my shoulders. And my hands were numb. So called my internist and he said, um, sounds like that thing we talked about, but we were kind of in denial um, that you have. And, and I, you need to you know, tell a few people and and is get home as soon as you can, which of course I didn't do. So did all the committee meetings, went to Iguazu Falls, and I'm riding in the boat, and I never forgot, I'm sitting, Jaime was in front of me, Carlin Winter was beside me, and I'm thinking to myself, Gee, and there's water like sloshing into the boat. Mm-hmm. I couldn't feel up to my mid-calves oh, by wow. that time. Right. By that time, there were people were starting to say, okay, you sure you, you need to go home? Ron Sokol changed his flight from Iguazu to Rio so he could be with me because I couldn't lift my luggage up overhead. And then Mel Hyman, who with his whole family, who was flying from Rio through Atlanta to San Francisco, changed their flights so that they could be with me to make sure. And then my wife met me at the airport, you know, fussing me the entire way down to Emory to the to the ER. And my, my doctor took one look at me and said, you're getting admitted. So got admitted, um, was in the hospital for... Three months, three oh, wow. neuro ICU. Oh, wow. I had a bilateral bells. I was fed by an NG tube for almost four weeks. Um, was on CPAP at night, but I walked out. Um, Yossi Levy, who's um, near retirement but is at Mount Sinai, sent me some of the pictures I wished he hadn't sent, but sent me this revolving picture thing that was in my hospital room during the entire time. Um, I got calls from everybody mm-hmm. just constantly. Um, and then when I went home, um, Margaret and at that time Amy Manila was the head of the foundation. They had meals for my first two weeks, mm-hmm. dinners. Um, so I, yeah. I, it was like, right. anyway, it hard really to talk is, about, but it's, yeah. a, it's a family. Right. Yeah. It's right. a family. And, and you don't, and so for me, you know, you, what you, you, get, you get back what you put out. And, and so I, I, I owe the society. That's why I do what I do. Wow, that's such a great story, and yeah. I'm glad oh, yeah. that we had a chance to to share it uh, finally uh, after after so many months past his episode. So, as we mentioned at the top, you know, our first episode was released last year's NAS began. Season two of our podcast starts with this episode. We have a lot of exciting stuff planned for this uh, quote unquote season of the uh, podcast. A lot of awesome guests and some uh, ideas about how we might change the format, maybe grow our team a little bit. So I think there's a lot of exciting things coming in the next few months. But as always, like we are super open to any feedback anyone might have. You know, feel free to add us on Twitter or DM us or send us an email or whatever. You know, whatever feedback you have, let us know. However, we can make this better. 
uh, more helpful, more entertaining. We're open to it. That sums up our bonus episode. I'm really looking forward to this coming season. Tune in November 14th for Jennifer Lightdale's episode. And if you don't already, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at Sounds and on Facebook at at Pediatric GI Podcast for the latest news and updates on upcoming episodes. If you like what you heard and want to support the podcast, it would really help us out if you did one or all of the following three things. One, tell one person about the podcast. Two, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover our podcast. And three, on our Buzzsprout page, there is a link to support the show by making a donation to the NASPGIN Foundation. You can also get there through www.naspghan.org. The money you donate helps support some of the amazing things the NASPGIN Foundation is doing, including supporting pediatric GI research and public education programs. As always, the discussion, views, and recommendations of this podcast are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests and are subject to change with advances in the field. Thank you all once again for listening to the podcast, and uh, we'll see you around virtually at NASPGIN 2020. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.